Welcome to worship at Grace Lakin. This service was recorded on December 4th, 2022. Pastor Rem Dias continues the Advent Sermon series with a gospel message from the book of Luke, chapter 1, verses 56 through 80, titled, The Benedictus. Good morning, everybody. Welcome to Grace Lakin. Uh, we like to start off our service by reflecting on our on our mission statements. It is by grace we are rooted in the gospel, committed to growing together, and sent to love Lakin and the nations. Now, to please rise with me, and we're going to read the call to worship, which is based on Isaiah two, chapter two, verses two through five. I'll read the unbolded portion that says leader in the California and the bolded portion that says all. Surely God is my salvation. I will trust and not be afraid. The Lord, the Lord is my strength and my song. He has become my salvation. The joy you will draw water from the wells of salvation. In that day you will say, give thanks to the Lord. Call on his name. Make known among the nations what he has done, and proclaim that his name is exalted. Sing to the Lord, for he has done glorious things, and let this be known to all the world. Shout aloud and sing for joy, people of Zion, for great is the Holy One of Israel among you. After remain standing, we'll sing some worship songs.
come into this Advent season, this Christmas season, Lord, we just we um, are so anxious and um, just celebrating your coming. And I pray that as we celebrate your coming, I just pray as we sing that song right there, oh, come let us adore you. Let us adore you because you are Christ alone. And, uh, and Lord, help us to also rejoice um, in the fact that because you came as a baby, we have hope because of how you live for us with the perfect life and we have God. And with the perfect life and you died on God for us. And uh, we rejoice because your plan was finished. Uh, it was finished upon that cross. So as we sing and as we anticipate and celebrate your birth, may we not forget the hope that that brings um, because of what you did for us on the cross. In Jesus' name we pray.
seated. Well, good morning. Good morning. If you have your worship guide, uh, turn over to the time of renewal. Uh, you can see that we're in uh, Micah 5 2 through 5a. Uh, this is a this is a prophecy of, of the coming king, King Jesus, and it says this. But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are small among the clans of Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old, from ancient times. Therefore Israel will be abandoned until the time when she who is in labor gives birth and the rest of his brothers return to join the Israelites. He will stand and shepherd his flock in the strength of the Lord and the majesty of the name of the Lord his God. And they will live securely for then his greatness will reach to the ends of the earth and he will be their peace. Whew. And he will be their peace. Um, again, let's not get used to this time of, of renewal. Uh, let's not get used to uh, the Christmas season. Uh, the, the season that, I mean, again, you, you out of all the prophecies, and this was just one of them, of exactly the coming king would come. And he would come to deliver. He would come to bring and usher in peace and rest and strength. And so if you're if you're feeling weary, let's just, can we do that this morning? Can we fall upon his grace again this morning? Let's do that in a moment. Son of prayer and confession. It was finished on that cross, Father, and I just pray that that lyric, that, even that word this morning would just comfort someone who you brought something to their mind, they're confessing, and then they would just hear the good news that that's where you came to deliver, and it was finished on the cross. They don't have to keep working at it. They don't have to keep trying to redeem that part of their life because it was finished on the cross and that they would rest secure in you and your goodness. Lord, I thank you for this church. I thank you uh, again for the ways you're moving amongst us. But Lord, we know that uh, this is just one act, you know, one, we're just one body right here and small beginning. I pray that you would continue to advance the gospel here in this town, but I would also just pray brothers and sisters that are experiencing Advent around the world in nations that it is hard for them to, to share the hope they have, to share the life they have. Would you just strengthen those that are being persecuted for their faith today? Would you continue to help us to see how we can reach the nation? And you would 
you would expand your gospel in the hardest unreached places in the world. Lord, help us this morning. Help us to have the heart posture, the right heart posture in, in being in here this morning. By the power of your spirit, may we long to know you more and that also we just be present and you protect us from anything that any of you want to come against and distract us. Um, so, Lord, thank you for your word. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, I love Titus, Titus 3, 4 through 7. This is the assurance of our pardon. And, uh, <laughs> you love Titus 3. <laughs> uh, but when the kindness, this is Titus 3, 4 through 7. But when the, the kindness and love of God, our Savior, appeared, here it is, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we have done, but because of his mercy. He saved us through the washing of rebirth and renewal by the Holy Spirit, whom he poured out on us generously through Jesus Christ our Savior, so that having been justified by his grace, we might become heirs, having the hope of eternal life. Let's stand together.
Well, good morning again. How are we doing? We're getting better at that, man. Goodness. Wow, we're feeling good. That's great. Uh, if you have a Bible, uh, you want to grab it, it'd be great. We'll be in Luke chapter 1. And uh, last week we started our, our Advent series called Songs for the Savior. And, and really, people think that Luke is the first hymnologist. I mean, that's a big word. Just he's the first guy who wrote uh, a Christmas hymn because we have these, these four prophecies and they have poetic language as if they would be sung. Uh, did four different songs in Luke chapter 1. And last week, uh, we looked at the song of... Oh, no, it's a Mary. We looked at Mary's song. Uh, good job. Uh, and yes, yeah, that's right, Dave. And, and, and this week we're looking at um, a fun word, the Benedictus. The Benedictus. Go ahead and say that to yourself. Benedictus. There you go. Benedictus. Uh, you, that's Latin, by the way. That's Latin, and, and it uh, means blessed, and it's the first word that... Uh, in the Latin Vulgate, which is a translation of, of the Bible, that this was put in uh, Zechariah's mouth. But, you know, and so it's a, uh, a great, a great, great hymn, and I'm excited to dive into it. So we're just going to look at the, the, his, his song, and, and in the sermon we'll look at some context around it. But it's on the screen uh, if you want to follow along. So verse 67 is where we'll start, and we'll go to 79. All right, let's do it. Let's jump in. Verse 67. And his father Zechariah was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Here it is, Blessed, blessed be the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of the servant David. As he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets from of old, that we should be saved from our enemies, from the hand of, of all who hate us, to show, to show the mercy promised to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant. The oath that he swore to our father Abraham to grant us that we being delivered from the hand of our enemies might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all our days. And you, and you, child, will be called a prophet of the Most High, for you will go before the Lord to prepare his ways, to give knowledge of salvation to his people and the forgiveness of sins because of the tender mercy of our God, whereby the sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. You know, sometimes I think, man, uh, some passages are just too good to preach. Like, I just, hey, let's just read it 50 more times this morning, and that's all we'll need. But I guess you got to hear some commentary from me. So no, that's not what we do. Turn your neighbor and say, you look good this morning. All right, turn your other neighbor and say, I'm glad I'm sitting next to you. If you have another neighbor. All right, that's right. All right, let's pray. <laughs> Lord Jesus, thank you for this church. Thank you for 
your body. And I, I thank you uh, for your word. And I thank you that it's, you know, it's not up to me um, to change hearts. And, and it's not up to our worship band to change hearts. It's not up to our liturgy. We, we need your spirit. Whereas the text says, we need the tender mercy of you, God, to show up, to move amongst us. And so, Lord, uh, take my natural ability, this, the notes, and do whatever you want to do, Holy Spirit. But I pray, just help us to sit under this text. Help us to enjoy what's here. Help us to soak in and to cause our heart to wonder again. And if anyone came in here not saved, anyone came in here uh, in darkness, in the shadow of, the, of death, as the text just said, that they, again, your tender mercy would come even now and awaken and pull them out of darkness and into a marvelous life by the blood of Christ to the glory of God and through the power of the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, well, I love going on family trips. I really do, even though it's crazy uh, at times. Uh, and recently, you know, uh, we had done... Uh, well, has anybody done any cave uh, exploration or done like a cave tour here this morning? Anybody done a cave tour? Okay. Uh, you know, we've done a couple of cave tours. Uh, we, did a, we did our first cave tour in the Merrimack uh, Cave Caverns, which is in southern Illinois. And recently, this summer, we went to Cave of the Winds, right? It's a fun cave, you know, and, and there's always one part of the cave tour uh, adventures that are not, it's not necessarily my favorite, and it's definitely sometimes not necessarily my kids' favorite. All right? And you might be thinking, oh yeah, I know where you're going. Uh, it's when they turn off all the lights. Right? And you're like, and you're just stuck in this sheer darkness. And then our cave tour this last time, uh, under the, in the Cave of the Winds, he was, I think something was wrong up in his brain. I, it just seemed a little loopy. And, and I mean, bless his heart, but he, all the lights went off, it was complete darkness, and then he even started talking in some creepy voice, like, hey, did you even know, children, that after seven minutes of complete darkness, you could hallucinate and go crazy? And then he just started, like, saying things like that, like, yeah, you can't even survive in darkness for this amount of time, and just creepy as all get out. Like, dude, what's wrong with you? Kids are crying over here. Like, what's wrong? With Turn the lights off and cry out loud. And, 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 and anyway, I just, I started thinking, though, what in the world would we do? What would we do if actually he just forgot to know where the light switch was? <laughs> I started panicking a little bit. I was like, oh my goodness. How, we're like way up in this cave. All these twists and turns. How in the world would we get out? We'd be stuck without the light. We'd be stuck in this darkness. And see, I was actually thinking about that because really at the end of this song, he talks about this huge light that has come. But I was thinking about it too because, you know, we decorated our Christmas tree and we're like, we need more lights, we need more lights. It's all about lights, lights, and joy. We need more lights. And I thought about it. I was like, Man, there is heavy, heavy pressure for joy this season. And it's true. Like, 
joy. We, we, like, we push joy. We push light. But the reality is that's not a lot of people's story right now. The reality is this is the, some of the hardest seasons for people. There's a lot of darkness. I mean, it could be um, the darkness of experiencing, this is the first time you've experienced Christmas without a loved one. It could be the fact that uh, this Christmas you're experiencing the darkness of some type of physical suffering. It could be that, you know, some type of darkness of some financial problem or uh, some type of darkness of some family conflict and turmoil or the darkness of, of, of literally just some weight and heaviness of you dealing with your sin and some constant struggle. And the reality is, is the gospel and the story of Christmas is don't just slap a band-aid over it. Come on, just put a smile on already. Come on, you're in church. I mean, we have a Christmas tree already. It's so beautiful. But Zechariah's song screams and pushes to a greater light. And it paints the scene. What we see here is that God is a God of salvation. And he invades the deepest recesses of our hearts and to expose the darkness and bring us into a great light. And so this morning, we're just, we're going to look at God's salvation, how he works, what, how it works, and how, as we look at it, and you're sitting in the darkness and feeling the heaviness that you, this morning, by again, the Spirit would just be pulling you, pulling you, pulling you, and showing you a greater light. So there's only... Uh, two points this morning. Amen. Uh, and, and here we go. We're going to look at the plan. We're going to look at God's plan and purpose in salvation. So his plan and purpose in salvation. And then we're going to see God's messenger and hope in salvation. Somebody's like, that's like four points. Say why I did that. Snuck it in there. Uh, all right. So here we go. Let's look at, uh, before even that, though, we're going to look at the context. Uh, the context around this verse, because again, context is king. There you go. Oh man, this is great. Keep it going. And here we go. So um, the context is really interesting. So Zechariah, we gotta we gotta see this to set the stage for the song. So Zechariah um, chapter one, beginning of verse one. He was a priest. Okay, he was a priest, and he was married to Elizabeth, and they're both old, advanced in age. Okay, you know. And, and they want to have a child. They want to have a child so desperately. And Zachariah is in the temple. Okay, he's in the temple. He's praying. He's asking the Lord for, you know, a child. And looking on his state. And whew, this is crazy. It's amazing how many angels show up in the Christmas story, by the way. Uh, angel shows up. Uh, and Zachariah's blown away. And he's like, what? And the angel's like, oh, you're going to have a baby. And what does Zachariah do? He's like, come on. I'm old, and no, no, I, I can't, no, we're not, no. And then, boom, the angel strikes Zachariah. He's like, okay, you doubt, uh, I'm going to make you mute. And Elizabeth was like, amen. No, it's just, um, no. And it made, so she goes, he goes mute. Think about that for a second. Go and get off, or 
you know, roughly until John was born, and so that could have been nine months, could have been more. I, could have been, I, I mean, he's mute. Can't talk. I mean, he's a priest. This is what they do. I started thinking about it. I can't talk. Oh, my goodness. Anyway, then, so you jump over. So then the story picks up with Zechariah in verse 57. And this is crazy. The baby's born. Verse 57, the baby is born. And, and I love how in the text it says in verse 758, it says that when they saw the baby born, they were like, wow. They saw it, and the people looking on, the people in the house and around, saw it as God's mercy. They're like, wow, God's mercy has come to you. This is, this is phenomenal. This is great. And then uh, Elizabeth was like, well, we're going to name him John. And then everyone was like, wait a minute, hold it. Like, don't you know, like, it needs to be named Zechariah Jr. And so they turned to Zechariah. I love this. They turned to Zechariah and they're like, hey, uh, can you talk some sense into, well, you can't talk, but can you write some sense into Elizabeth at this moment? Because, again, the, the, the child taking the family name was huge. Huge. And here I says, give me a tablet. He says, give me a tablet. And he writes his name as John. He's, he's, his name is John. Because this is what the Lord says his name was going to be. And it says at that moment, his mouth, his tongue came unloosed. And what was the first thing he does? He blesses the Lord. And everyone around, this is 68, they just they're blown away. They're like, what in the world? Wow. They're blown away at this. Now, quick couple of side pocket points for you as we look at the context of this, because it is, and then he's just going to act from this, he's going to go bust them into a song. And I started, these were just convicted to me laying on my heart, so hopefully they stir for you. Uh, Learning from Zechariah, learning from his, his context here before his song. Number one, we need silence. Write that down. I'm saying we need silence. We are, if, are we not, are we not addicted to activity? Like, come on, people, let's just have a let's be real for a moment. We are addicted to the next thing, that little red dot on your phone, like Notification, notification. You know, next thing, next thing. Hurry, hurry, hurry. List, list, list. Go, go, go. Busy, busy, busy. Yippee, yippee. Don't know where that came from. But that's what we do. We're constantly going and going and going. And I'm, I am beginning, the big board has been just pushing this in my heart. It's like, Rem, maybe sometimes the reason you just feel distant from God is because you can't slow down, brother. You can't slow down. You can't slow down enough to get what even life's really about. How God is here and present. I love the Puritans. The Puritans slow me down. They're old dead guys, and they're just they love the Lord though. And one of uh, one of the Puritans, Thomas Watson, uh, said this. And this is just always I, I want to put this ingrained in my Bible, um, but I haven't yet. Uh, it says this: the reason we come away so cold from reading the Word. Is because we do not warm ourselves at the fires of meditation. I don't know about you, but sometimes I open the word and I just I get it. I'm like, okay, I need to just. It 
it's just a thing I'm doing, getting in the Word a little bit, a little bit of time here, and it's all the time I have. And, and then we, we don't have time to slow down. Like, what did that just even say? How can I just sit in that and marvel in that and write that down and I have to preach that to my own heart? Because here's the reality. God slowed Zechariah down. Some people think, oh, that was just rude. How could, how could God do that? God did that. You get that? God is the one that made him new. God is the one that slowed Zechariah down. Some commentaries think, and a lot of people think, that the reason he got such an elaborate song as we're going to get to that has theological depth and rich to it and Old Testament references and prophecies is because he had time to slow down and wonder and think about the glories of God for a moment. So question for you is, what would it take for you to unplug this Christmas season? What would it take for you to slow down? It might take honest conversations with those that you love and saying, hey, I need some time to just sit with the Lord in prayer. I need some time to, to sit with just this chapter of, of Luke and just meditate or just slow down and Worship God for all He is. Second thing we can learn, so we need silence. Second thing I think we can learn from His context is we need God's second chances. We need God's second chances. Notice Zacharias, his, his voice is brought back. And the, uh, notice, in the, we'll see in the song that he starts singing of Israel's redemption. And it's crazy to me. You look at the Old Testament people, and it's like, oh, Israelites, do, 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 they're going good. Uh, fail. God comes again. Do, 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 fail. God comes again. Do, 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 God fail. God comes again. And that is literally what's happening in Luke again. That God's coming again. And so we need God's first, second, third, and a hundreds and hundreds of chances. But that doesn't mean, now I just said that, that doesn't mean that we abuse his grace as I did as a high school kid. You know what I did as a high school kid? I'm just going to sin. It's okay. Sunday morning's going to, I'll just ask for forgiveness. Where's your sin? No, Romans 6.1. What shall we say then? Are we to continue in sin that grace may abound? By no means. The gospel trans. Forms living, it transforms your life. It does not, the gospel does not say just keep laying down in your sin, it's okay. No, the gospel brings about transformation in your life. It changes you from the inside out, but do not let the enemy lie to you this morning. And some of you came in and you're here this morning. You just give yourself a pat on the back, right? That's great. You came in and it's you got your clothes on and you look good. And it's Christmas season and you feel a little candy. Things go. And deep down inside, you're like, oh, got this darkness, this heaviness. I've made that mistake again. I made a mistake again. Pastor doesn't even know what I brought in, but I did it again. I did it again. And I'm saying, as long as there's breath in your life, our God, listen, is God of second, third, he caused Zachariah's voice to rise again, even though he disbelieved God in a temple with angels. He can come again. 
Do not let the enemy pin you down to the ground this morning in guilt and shame and saying, no, God's done. He is not done with you. He's not done. He has come. I spit a lot now. Goodness. <laughs> Sorry for the second minute. You're great. I'm all right. <laughs> Here we go. Now let's get to the song. Let's get to the song. So that's the context. You got to see that. That's where he's coming out of. That gives some some background now into this song. So let's look at the first point: God's plan and purpose in salvation, verses sixty-seven through sixty-five. And the song breaks down into two sections. If you take notes in your Bible, put a line at seventy-five because it changes directions. But the first section, he's going to talk about God's plan and purpose. So verse sixty-seven: God was filled. I mean, not God. Zechariah was. Filled with the Holy Spirit. And that's really important because out of that, this is not some, um, Zachary's like, this is just my journal thoughts. No, this is like a Holy Spirit come. This is God's word to him. So, and what is the first thing out of the, verse 68? Blessed be the Lord God of Israel. And then the next word, this is great, for. So he just said, uh, blessed be the God of Israel. For meaning he's about to show us why he's blessing the Lord, why he's singing, why he's just can't contain it anymore. And he says, for he has visited and redeemed his people, Israel. He has visited. And that word visited is, man, it, it, it has some weight all throughout redemptive history. I mean, you look at Genesis um, 21. Go back. Genesis 21, and, and when God had already said, hey, Abraham, I'm going to come to you, make a covenant with you. You're going to be a blessing, and, and, you and you and Sarah are going to have all these children, and they're barren. Sarah, they're old age. But then Genesis 21, it says God visited Sarah. And her barrenness. He visited, he came in to rescue and to go about fulfilling this promise, which uh, we know from that line came King Jesus. And then and Ruth. Ruth, the book of Ruth, when there was a famine. I mean a famine in the land, and it was dark moment, dark time. What did the text? I mean, it says that the Lord visited them. And from roots and God's line comes again a greater King Jesus. And then uh, when the people are stuck in Egypt and oppression and just the weightiness of that, it, the Lord shows up and visits and redeems the people. But the one that got me this week was in Luke 7, going through Luke in my devotions, and there was a mother, there was a mother who had lost all of her children, and she just lost her only son. And they're carrying him out on, you know, he's dead. They're carrying him out. And Jesus comes. He heals. He brings the kid, the, the kid back to life. And all of the people say, whoa, the Lord has visited his people. Folks, the ultimate visitation has come. This was that right sign. Jesus has you need to hear that this morning. 
I didn't hear that. Jesus has visited. He has come near. To do what? Visit to redeem. That's what the next phrase is. To redeem his people. Redeemed. Um, I love how one uh, author put it. Redeem means to rescue at a high price. To rescue at a high price. And we use that word redeem, do we not, in our culture? We say, oh, I think I can redeem myself. I can redeem myself. I made a, you know, and I do, do that a lot in, in the sport realm. Like you, like, oh man, I had a bad race. Next, I'll redeem myself. I had a bad shot. I'll redeem myself. I'll redeem myself. Well, I'm going to redeem myself. Listen, if you hear anything, you can't redeem yourself. It's too high a price. It's too high a price to totally redeem yourself. But that's what the text says, that Christ, it's like, okay, he has come to redeem, to buy back, to, that's, to buy back his people. And then verse 69 is probably, if you had to ask me, my favorite out of all of this. It says, and he raised up a, so he's rescued, means visited and redeemed his People then, and he has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David. I bet you've never, maybe you have, maybe that's like your favorite name for Jesus. He's a horn of salvation. That's not the one we use a lot. He's a horn of salvation. But that is a name for our king. You're like, what in the world does that mean? What does a horn of salvation mean? I'm glad you asked. Thanks for asking, guys. See how this works? Thanks. A horn of salvation was a symbol of an animal's power and strength. In the Old Testament, in Jewish Old Testament, it was used as the strength. The horn of salvation was the strength of an ox. The horn of, of an ox, meaning a powerful, and then what would the ox do? It, it, it would gore, it would, it would gore the enemies. With his horn. And we, we see this all, we, all the time in this context. They would use the reference of the horn of salvation, of, of understanding power, strength, and delivering from their enemies. And one undertone that Zechariah could have here, and you see this in verse 71, that he would deliver us from our enemies, would be yes. They would think, yet Jesus the Messiah would blow be the horn of salvation, be his powerful strength and to deliver them from the political oppression of Rome. And yes, we know that when Christ fully returns, that will happen. All physical oppression and political oppression will be demolished. But what Zechariah has more in tone here is the enemy of sin, death, hell, and Satan. He is saying Jesus is this great horn, this great ox, if you can think of it like that, with this horn that delivers this death blow to the enemy. And the scriptures talk about how the enemy is a roaring lion. He, Satan's like a lion. And I, I loved how Piper put this. John Piper, he in his sermon. And I couldn't think of a better Christmas gift that I'm going to be asking for, or that I'm going to find an artist and do this. Because he says this. If I, John Parker said, if I was an artist, 
And I would paint for my house a special Christmas painting this year and hang it on the wall near the manger scene. He ain't getting this from Pinterest. No. He said it would be one of those big oil canvases. And the scene would be of a distant hill at dawn. The sun is about to rise behind the hills and the rays shoot up out of the picture. And all alone, the silhouette on the hill in the center of the picture, very, very dark, is a magnificent wild ox. Everyone's like, yes, Christmas. Standing with its back seven feet tall and the crown of his head nine feet tall. On both sides of his head there is a huge horn curving out about six feet long and 12 inches thick at the base. And he stands there sovereign and serene, facing the southern sky with his massive neck slightly cocked and impaled on the end of the right horn hangs a huge lion dead. I want that painting. And yeah, that's and you like that's on my Christmas card. I don't go take that. That is just came to me. Do not take that for a Christmas card. I want that. Because that is what I mean, listen, fear not this morning. The enemy hangs on a horn of this giant ox named Jesus. He's going to slay him. He's the horn of salvation. So the plan of salvation continues. He doesn't just visit, doesn't just redeem. He's not just this horn. But notice the text says, he of his servant David. And then verse 72, to show mercy, promise to our fathers, and to remember his holy covenant that he swore to our father Abraham. See, you got to get what's going on here. It might be hard to understand at first, but because Mary was doing the same thing. Mary was pointing back to the Old Testament as well. And Zechariah is doing the same thing. He said, okay, he's going to be from this house of the servant David. What does that mean? The, the covenant, the, God made these amazing covenant promises with Israel. And he started with Abraham that from you, you're going to be this, I'm going to bless you. And from you, you're going to bless the world. From your, from your descendants. And that's where we know from, again, Abraham's line came Jesus. And the covenant just is only more fulfilled. And the Davidic covenant with King David, that he was going to be, you know, from your line, he's going to become a greater king. A more powerful king. A king that would never fail like all the other kings did in the Old Testament. Again, pointing to Jesus. See, here's what we need to learn. And here's what Zechariah is saying. Is Jesus is fulfilling all of these types, all of these covenants. He's the greater king, the better prophet. And why we need to hear that is because the Old Testament gets some rough criticism these days. And listen, you can't understand Jesus without the Old Testament. And the New Testament's not going to make a lot of sense without your Old Testament. They're buddies. Alright? And Jesus is the center theme, the center person of all. Do not, oh, do not fall into when you read the Old Testament and make David the hero, Solomon the hero, 
oh, we need to be more like David. We need to be more like Abraham. No, you need to be more like Christ because none of them fail. I mean, all of them fail. And that's what he's saying. Zechariah is saying, hey, he is fulfilling. He is this God that fulfills these promises. He is good and merciful. So we see the plan there. He's, he's fulfilling these promises. He's visited. He's redeemed. He's this horn of salvation. He's come to rescue and redeem. That's the plan. That's the plan. But what's the purpose? And verse 74, we get the purpose when he says, verse 74, that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear and holiness and righteousness before him all the days. Now you might be thinking, wait a minute, Mary told us last week to fear the Lord. Now is that the right to us not to fear the Lord? Which one is it? Good question. Last week, yeah, she said, uh, God's mercy is for those who fear him, meaning reverence and all. You don't come to God with your questions like, hey, God, you know, let me tell you something. No, you come like this. Oh, God, you're holy. You're... But once you get there and he changes and saves and moves into your heart, he says, now serve me without fear. Meaning you're secured in him. You shouldn't fear God saying, I'm done with you. I'm washing you. I'm guilt, shame. You should not know. We are to fear him. But if you hear condemnation, oh, you just can't. That's not the voice of the Lord. Conviction is the voice of the Lord. Of, uh, oh, and conviction means oh, I need to change. And it doesn't bury you in shame and guilt. That's from the enemy. But to serve him without fear, this is really important to get. You've got to get this. A lot of people don't. Because notice, God isn't, in this verse, God is not just. He doesn't just save us from sin. He does that. He saves us from sin, but notice he doesn't just save us from something, but to something. We are to serve him in righteousness and holiness all the days of our life. Listen, Exodus, we love Exodus, the Exodus story. When God delivered, he's going to deliver them out of oppression. Amen. Hallelujah. Praise God. That was great. But do you know why God did that? He did that because he saw that he delivered them out to deliver them to worship. He said, uh, so that, I mean, you see that in Exodus 3, you see in Exodus 7, 12, all the time. He's like, I'm delivering them out to worship. You are to, you're delivered out of your sin to service to God in holiness and righteousness. We don't just stop there. Thank you, God, that you delivered me from my sin. But now, as we love, we love Westminster. It's great. You know the first question of Westminster? What's the chief end of man? To glorify and to enjoy him. You are saved from your sin. And then you say, okay, Lord, sanctify me, grow me. I'm saved to service. I'm saved to glorifying you in every aspect of my life. My family, my job, my work, my hobbies. It's worship. What we do here on Sunday morning, right here when we sing song, is not the only we worship, we worship, we worship with everything. So that's what he was saying. That's the plan, to glorify God, to join him, to serve him. And then finally, God's messenger and hope. God's messenger and hope and salvation. So, this psalm makes a big shift in verse 76. Because Zechariah now shifts and there's 13 verses in this psalm. 
And he gives two to talking about his son, John. He only gives two. And in verse 76, he said that John would be the prophet of the Most High. That he would prepare the way of the Lord. And that, what else? Oh, look at the text. It says that he would give, John would give knowledge of salvation for the forgiveness of sins. I love it. John was just like this big index finger pointing to Jesus. And notice Zechariah was not giving his son, lowercase s, John, all the attention, but giving the son, capital S, Jesus, all of the attention in this song. And here's how we apply this. Parents, I'm preaching to my heart up here this morning too. Just know this. Our kids are not to be, or if you're a grandparent, if you ever have kids, our kids are not the center of our solar systems. The moment we put them in the center of our lives and we start hovering, it's everything about that, we'll cripple them and we'll cripple ourselves. Because it doesn't resolve around there. Our children are not the point, Jesus is the point, and we just point our children to the Lord. And I love it. Children are a blessing from the Lord, and uh, I love this verse so much. And I've got my kids' names on these little arrows, and people always ask me, why do you have tattoos in there? That's one of the kind of conversation we have. But uh, I, have, I have my kids' name in arrows because the Proverbs talks about how uh, I love this image. Children are like arrows in the hand of a warrior. Fill your quiver with them. <gasps> yes. <gasps> do you not love that? Because, and above that, what warrior be like, oh no, I can't take my arrows out of my quiver. I just keep them in my quiver. I need to keep them back there. No. Parents, you have kids, take those arrows off, out. You start sharpening them, not with the world of intellect and how, how much, can we just educate them the best we can so they can have all the money they can and, and they can be the best little basketball or, or football or baseball players and all oh, this just sharp. I mean, those things aren't bad. Those are great, but are we sharpening them instead of sharpening in the word of God? Let's just point them to Jesus all the time. And then we're going to, because guess what? We're going to send you out into the world. We're launching you out to be these arrows of light. And, and so let's take our, let's not cripple them with our, let's not cripple them with putting them on center stage, but we're just doing everything by God's grace on our knees saying, let's sharpen them, let's point them, let's keep pointing them and keep pointing them. And I need to say that because our culture is saying there's other things that you should be doing with your kids outside of taking them deep in the world. Taking them deep into the glories and the riches of Christ. Zechariah got it. Think about it. If this was a modern song, well, parent, parent, they'd probably be like, oh, John, you're the best. John, 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 you look cute. You look fat. No. It's Jesus, Jesus, Jesus. John, what's your point? Uh, John, you're just for Jesus. You're just for Jesus. You're this messenger. Is that, are you tracking? Let's land the plane. 
Because we just saw the messenger, but what's the hope in salvation? And that's where Zechariah ends. It's just this huge, and he says, verse 78, because of the tender mercy of our God. That word tender, by the way, in the Greek, you want to know what it is? Kind of gross. From the bowels. Like from the bowels. He's saying from the depths of God's bowels, from the depths of his heart, his gut, his tender mercy. Because of the tender mercy of God, whereby his sunrise shall visit us. That's another name for Jesus that I'm not sure many people might be putting on Pinterest boards. He's a sunrise. Everybody in Western Kansas said, Amen. He's a sunrise. The sunrise shall visit us from on high to give light to those who sit in darkness and in the shadow of death to guide our feet into the way of peace. You and I cannot get us ourselves out of darkness. Like how Keller says it, Keller says, Things are dark, but we believe we can end the darkness with intellect and innovation. He says, years ago, I read a, a New York Times article that said the meaning of Christmas is, is that love will triumph, and we will be able to put together a world of unity and peace. In other words, we have the light within us, and so we are the ones who can dispel the darkness. In the world, we can overcome poverty, justice, violence, and evil. If we work together, we can create a world of unity and peace. In that narrative, the human race is the light. And he is saying, we're going to anticipate that day when darkness is finally demolished. And like, but you need, and I need, the tender mercy of God. Jesus is the only light to lead you out of the darkness. Let's just be honest. That moment, when you're having that great, glorious sleep, oh my goodness, and your wife, or your husband, or your kids come in and turn on the light, it's like, ah, what is wrong with you? That hurt. I mean, even talking about, I mean, it's like, that's a, that's a nagging. That's wrong. Don't do that. Come in and say, oh, Jesus loves you. No, I mean, we don't necessarily like light. Those, in, you know, I talked about caves in the beginning. Those who actually do this, I've read a lot about caves. It's actually kind of fascinating. You can live in darkness for a long time. It's kind of creepy, and you do hallucinate. But you come out of darkness for a long time, they say you have to do it very carefully. Because you just get exposed to light instantly. It just, it'll hurt you. We love the darkness. We're bent coming out of the moon. We're bent this Christmas season saying, I'm rejecting that. We're bent that way. But the story of Christmas, the story and Zachariah ends, he says, hold it. But the tender mercy from the depths of God's being, his heart, he has said, I have brought a great light to deliver you 
out of darkness. Out of you wandering around trying to feel this way out. You can't get yourself out. You need to say, I can't get myself out. That's the starting part of salvation. I can't get myself out of this darkness. I've tried through money. I've tried through success. I've tried through fame. I've tried through my family. I've tried through this. I've tried through that. I just still keep bumping my head into everything. Yeah, you do. Because you can't get yourself out. You need delivered out by the tender mercy of God. And hear the good news this morning. If that's you. If that's you. All you got to do is fall. All you got to do is fall on the tender loving mercy that Jesus has come and you said, Jesus, get me out. Get me out. I want out. I, I want you in the middle of this darkness. Come and rescue me. And you know what the promise is? He will guide you into the way of peace. To the glory of God. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for this word. And Lord, I pray that if that is someone there this morning, In this moment of silence that we give, Lord, I just pray they would be. Hmm, they feel darkness. They feel the heaven. They would, they would see this service as the tender mercy of God. They would hear this word as you're reaching out and saying, hey, hey I'm gonna, I've come. I've come to deliver you out. And they would repent. They would turn from their sin. They would turn from the darkness, turn trying to get themselves out, and they would turn to you, Jesus, and say, you are Lord, and you are good. So however you want to give that to them in this moment of, of silence by the power of your spirit, just then fall into your grace, do that, while the rest of us pray for those who are far from you. Lord Jesus, hear our prayer. Jesus, if anyone is leaning into your face, you're, you're reaching them right now by your word, through your spirit, and they are putting faith in you. Jesus, give them the courage and strength to share that with someone before they leave this morning so that they can be celebrating and encouraging them. But Lord Jesus, please guide us. Continue into the way of peace this Christmas season through you, Jesus, our great God. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, when we come to the table, and I talked about that Christmas painting, and it would be amazing. He's the horn of salvation. Um, and he is. This is, how, this is how Christ, by him uh, taking his, his body and, and dying on the cross for you and I and shedding his blood, he dealt the blow to the enemy. And you have to understand that in the table, in the, in the sacrament, in, in Jesus coming to born, he was coming to die. And it, he was coming to die. And so this is his table, and we get the words of the institution in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 11, where it says, For I received from the Lord what I also delivered to you, 
that the Lord Jesus, the night when he was betrayed, he took bread, and when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, This is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same way, he also took the cup after supper, saying, This is the cup in the new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat the bread and drink the cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. So do you know how we come to the table? Kind of as we sung, weak and unstable. We come to the table, Lord, saying, hey, I need, I need this. I'm unfaithful, you're faithful, and I need you. And so this is for those who are, they put their faith in Jesus. They know they are in Jesus, and, and he's, he's got them in his hand. If you're still figuring out, you don't know really the Jesus thing, you're still having questions, this isn't, the table is not a time for you. We don't say that in a mean way. We're just saying, hey, take this time to get right with the Lord. To say, Jesus, I need you. I need you. Give your heart to him. And again, leave your telling someone that. Telling someone that. Um, but again, we use intention here. And that means you'll come up and you'll tear a piece of the bread and dip it into the juice. We also have gluten-free options. And a third morning today. We got a new beautiful Christmas tree up here and we had to move our screen. Alright? So you have two ways to exit. You can go the adventurous way. But please watch your head. Okay? I'm sure not like do do right under it. No big deal. Alright? And you gotta go around it. Alright, but watch your head and watch the chords if you exit that way. Or if you just want to turn around and come back out that way, that's great. But just watch the, watch the screen. Alright, let's pray one more time and invite for you. Uh, Lord, thank you for this sacrament. Thank you for this time. Help us to come. Help prepare our hearts to enjoy this feast. The feast that you've given us. The feast that this is how we get all holy in you. In Jesus' name. Amen.
Go this week knowing that the horn of salvation has come. He's impaled in. Alright? Be blessed. Thank you for joining us at Grace Laken. You can find us on Facebook and Instagram at Grace Laken KS, on YouTube, and at gracelaken.com. Thank you.